mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here. That really makes a difference, doesn't it? Man, oh man. Matthew and, uh, and John Crispin really worked hard on that. So it's almost, almost finished. I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. Big idea today is simply John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've ever been to a funeral at Christ the King, you have heard that gospel reading because that's what we always use. Um, this, is one of, this is one of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus at one point or another says, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. The context for this particular is uh, the Last Supper. This is right before they leave for Gethsemane. And um, disciples are anxious. Jesus has said, somebody's going to betray me. He said, uh, all of you are going to deny me. He says he's leaving them. No problem. Let not your hearts be troubled, he says, given all that information. Be at peace. Hmm. A little hard to be at peace when all those things are sort of swirling around. It's not normal. The old is gone, the new is coming, and they don't know what the new is. In Acts 1-6, after Jesus is resurrected and he comes back right before he ascends, he says to them, it says, no, they said, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What they were really asking is, okay, now we get it. You've come back and you're going to overthrow the Romans, you're going to kick them out, you're going to put Israel back on the throne, it's going to be like it should have been all along. We're going to be in charge now. This is going to be good. Not so much. Not so much. All anxiety, again, is the result of uncertainty. They were there then, and we're there today. There's a new normal coming for the disciples, and I think... It's coming for us, too. The old days are gone. The new days are here. Think of something troubling you. Maybe it's the family. you got some issues in your family that you wish were different. Maybe it's work, something that's not, not wonderful at work and you wish could be different. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you're going crazy because banks are failing. Now what are we going to do? Will this affect us in some way? Maybe it's our nation. Things are happening in our country that we've never seen before. AI is interesting. 20 years ago, how many of you uh, had bought something online? In the last month, how many of you have bought something online? Raise your hand. Hmm. 20 years ago, how many of you carried your phone with you? Karen, you had a bag phone? How many of you carry your phone now? Hmm. When's the last time you saw an encyclopedia or Britannica salesman knock on your door? Hmm. Ask me anything. Ask the question like with, a, with, a, with an answer. 
what's the temperature in Albuquerque? Something like that. Just give me a question. Hmm? Hey, Siri. What's the temperature in Albuquerque? 58 degrees. You want to know who won the 1912 World Series? You know. So, I mean, and so things are, things are moving in a particular direction with AI. And now everybody takes the Internet for granted. Everybody takes cell phones for granted. Everybody takes Siri for granted. But we didn't used to. And now we're hoping that AI doesn't get out ahead of us in ways that could be very detrimental to human life, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there are things that are different as well. I spent over 20 years in the Navy, and recruiting and retention is now very difficult. In, in retention, uh, depending on the rate you have, like the, the, the skill set you've got, uh, in order to keep you in and have you re-enlist, they're offering you 10, 20, 30, $40,000 bonus. And a lot of people are saying, I don't think so. I'll do something else, which seems strange to me. It didn't used to be that way. But then I see in, in order to recruit people, now they're using drag queens to recruit people to join the Navy. And I'm thinking, what is your marketing team thinking? Because I don't think that's your target audience here, you know. But again, it's a time for prayer. It's a time for reflection. It's a, it's a new thing that we have never experienced before. And one of the truths is until Christ is sufficient for you, you will never be at peace. Until Christ is sufficient, you'll never be at peace. John Piper had this thing between I'm fine and I'm feeling fine. One is actually a condition. I'm fine. The other is a feeling. I used to say to people, when they they say, how do you do? And they'd say, I'm fine. And when the, the, Based on the way they said it, I would think frantic, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm fine. Hopefully not. So Jesus presents himself <clears throat> as the object of faith. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. Very bold. To some, it's a wonderful thing. But to others, it's blasphemous. One of his trials, and the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus was silent, and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they answered, he deserves death. So when Jesus told the truth about himself, there were those like, you need to die. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. <clears throat> William Barclay says, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. One of the great thoughts of the New Testament is that Jesus goes on in front for us to follow. He opens up a way so that we may follow in his steps. One of the great words which is used to describe Jesus is the word prodromos. The King James Version and the Revised Standard Version translate it forerunner. There are two uses of this word which light up the picture within it. In the Roman army, the prodromoi were the reconnaissance troops. 
they went ahead of the main body of the army to blaze the trail and to ensure that it was safe for the rest of the troops to follow. In the harbor of Alexandria in Egypt, it was extremely difficult to approach. And when the great corn ships came into it, uh, a little pilot boat was sent out to guide them along the channel into safe waters. That pilot boat was called the Prodromos. It went first to make it safe for others to follow. That is what Jesus did. He blazed the way to heaven and to God that we might follow in his steps so that he did something for us that we could not do. Thomas now asks a question. Because Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go and you know the way I'm going. And Thomas actually asks a question. Well, we don't know where you're going. How come you know the way? Don't be afraid to ask questions. You ever been in a class or maybe a conference and somebody's trying to explain something and you're just not quite sure what it is or maybe you get it and you look around and you see the others are going huh? be the one to raise your hand and say excuse me could you clarify that or could you explain that again I'm not quite sure what you're getting at even if you know what they're getting at I will guarantee you at the end of it people will come up to you and say I am so glad you asked that question I had no idea what that guy was talking about but people are afraid to ask a question because they think they're going to look foolish I actually said stupid in the first service, and I was reminded that's not a good word. So foolish is the Grace Christian School substitute for the word stupid. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God and the only way, personification of truth, the center of life. The way. He's not a way, he's the way to the Father. Some say there are hundreds of religions, but really there's only two. The first one covers all who expect salvation by doing, and the second is all who have been saved by something done. It's interesting, in a devotional that I was reading, Kathy and I were reading this week, this day in history, it was in the, in the 18th century at Oxford University in England. Who did you have? You have George Whitfield. John Wesley and Charles Wesley. And they were part of a group of eight known as the Holy Club. The Holy Club. And they were totally dedicated to God. And they were totally dedicated to earning their own salvation by all the good things that they were doing and denying themselves. To the point, one point, at time, one time, George Whitfield, he was so weak he couldn't get out of bed. And then he had an experience with the Holy Spirit and God just revealed to him, hey, buddy, this isn't how it works. You can't do this. I did it for you. Accept it. And he did. And then the Wesley brothers finally did. Actually, it took them three years after that to come to real faith and save, saving faith in Jesus Christ. I thought that was interesting. The whole question is very simple. Can you save yourself or must you be saved by another? When it comes to truth as being the perfect revelation of God the Father, one, he embodies what, it, what men ought to know and believe of God, what they should do as children of God, and what they should be. All truth is God's truth. Remember that. All truth is God's truth. If it's true, don't be afraid of it. I think too many people today are afraid of the truth. 
my definition of evil is pretty simple. Evil cares not for the truth and is only motivated by self-interest. You can look at all kinds of areas in our life right now where the truth is downplayed and is being called disinformation, and those who speak it are canceled because it doesn't fit a narrative or an agenda that another group might have. God's people should just be interested in the truth. Tell me the truth. I can handle it. I can take it. I can deal with it. But there are those who say, I don't want you to know the truth. Those are the ones we've got to watch out for. And life, he is the, princ- he is the principal and source of life in its temporal development and future consummation so that whoever has not received him into himself by faith has become a prey to spiritual and eternal death. And Thomas Akempis, he was a wonderful medieval monk, said it so beautifully. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou shouldst pursue, the truth which thou shouldst believe, and the life that thou shouldst hope for. Somebody said, I'm wandering about. I don't know where I'm going. Jesus is the way. I'm confused. I don't know what to think. Jesus is the truth. I'm dead inside, and I don't know if I can go on. Jesus is the life. Mm. And he says, no one comes to the Father but by me. Controversial. Uh, In Acts 4, Peter and John are in the temple, and there's a man lame from birth. Peter and John come along. This guy just sits there all day long asking for money. So he thinks Peter and John are going to give him some money. Peter says, you know, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And he gets up and he starts dancing. And everybody's like, whoa. And they get arrested. They're put in prison. Then the next day they're, they're up before the Sanhedrin and the, the officials. And they want to know what happened. And Paul And Peter basically says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit when he said that because it was very dangerous for him to say that. This is not something that that group wanted to hear. This was the truth, but they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to know that. That contradicted their agenda and their narrative, but they proclaimed it over and over and over And just as Jesus had said in Acts 1-8, you're going to take this gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And that's what they did. That was not a popular position in a pluralistic society. Today, all beliefs seem to have equal weight. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. A lot of people say there is no such thing as absolute truth. That seems like an absolute statement to me, but nevertheless... And, you know, this, this whole idea of your, yours is yours and mine is mine, and that's fine. And I tell the story of the student in a, in a freshman philosophy class that had that attitude. Your truth is your truth and my truth is mine, and we don't have to agree. And it can, they can be opposite. It doesn't really matter. And the professor was unsuccessful in moving him away from that viewpoint. So the final comes, and he fails student fails. He goes rushing into the professor's office and he said, I can't believe you flunked me. I had a good paper. 
And the professor said, I think it was the best one that was turned in, actually. And why did you flunk me? Well, you turned it in in a blue folder. I don't like blue folders. If you turn it in a blue folder, you fail. That's crazy. No, it may not be true for you, but it's true for me. See you later. You can't live like that. You can't live like that. You know those red lights you see? That may be true for everybody else, but it ain't true for me. I just go right through them. No problem. Huh? I don't think so. There is such a thing as truth that we have to, to deal with. Christology really is the battleground for today. The uniqueness of Christ is the issue. Who is Jesus? You know, in the Episcopal Church, when you go to seminary, it's a three-year deal. Used to, well, residential seminary was three years. And so the first two years, you're a postulant. And I remember when I thought I wanted to go to seminary, I wrote a letter to my old rector, who was the rector at St. Mark's in Cocoa when I came to faith in Christ. He was now the bishop of Iowa. And I wrote and said, Dear Chris, I think God has put a call on my life. I want to go to seminary and become an apostate. <laughs> so he wrote back and he says, I don't think you mean apostate. Apostate means one who was departed from the faith. You mean postulant. I said, oh, okay, well. But I hadn't been to seminary, so I didn't know. What do I know? So after two years, after the first two years, you'd come back to the diocese and you'd sit with a standing committee and then they would make a determination that recommend you to the bishop. That your final year, you become a candidate. And everybody, it seemed like, at the standing committee had one question. Mine was simple, who is Jesus? Everybody that would ever come and sit, I would just say, who is Jesus? And most of the time, you get a good answer. But depending on where they went to seminary, you get a look on their face and you could tell what they were thinking. What does he want to hear? What do I have to say to make him happy? Rather than what do I believe? What do I think? You know, and then we would have a conversation. But that's kind of <laughs> the difference between liberal and orthodox theology here. Jesus was the ideal man, miracle worker, prophet, social worker. He was a good guy. That's what they think. Versus the truth, which is he's God in the flesh, fully human, fully divine. The distinctives of what people believe. In the Eastern philosophies, God is part of the creation, not separate. For us, God, is crea God created all things separate, but not part of it. Islam and Judaism do not accept Jesus as the unique Son of God. This is why we left the Episcopal Church. The two things, reasons we left were the authority of Scripture. The church had really walked away from the authority of Scripture in so many ways. And now you have um, the uniqueness of Christ, right? And the leaders in the church were saying, well, there's more than one way home. There's more than one way to the Father. And that does not what the book says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then you have the Rodney King theology. Why can't we all just get along? Some people would say that Christianity is bigoted. It's narrow, not true. Is Christianity bigoted? Certainly there are some who claim to be Christians who are, in fact, bigots. But biblical Christianity is the most pluralistic, tolerant, embracing of other cultures, religion on earth.
Christianity is the one religion to embrace other cultures. It has the most urgency to translate the scriptures into other languages. A Christian can keep their native language and culture and follow Jesus in the midst of it. An early criticism of Christianity was the observation that they would take anybody, slave or free, rich or poor, man or woman, Greek or barbarian, all were accepted, but on the common ground of the truth as revealed in Jesus Christ. To leave this common ground in Jesus is spiritual suicide for both now and eternity. It's an interesting word, barbarian. It's a Greek word. It comes from barbaros. Barbaros meant non-Greek speaking. If you didn't speak Greek, you were considered a barbarian. Hmm. It's not that other religions do not have value. They're just not salvific. They don't get you where you need to go. This is why Christ came. Why do people reject Jesus' claim to be the only way to the Father? Some are satisfied with their own way of, or, or, or they do not, or with doing nothing. I'm doing the best I can, or it's all nonsense. Everything you have to say doesn't make any sense to me. This is all there is. We're born, you live, you die, you're food for worms. What do you mean afterlife? What are you talking about? I'm a good person. That's the second. Or you deny lostness. You deny lostness. I'm not a sinner. I don't need a savior. Salvation by comparison. Okay? So I'm, Margaret is worse than I am. Amen. So as long as I can find people who are worse than I am by comparison, I'm standing on solid ground. I'm in good shape. A lot of people think this way. At least I don't do that. Some people are convinced there must be several ways to get to God besides Jesus. If you're in a burning building and there's only one way out, you're headed for that one exit. If you're in a plane coming in and you're told to land on that runway, you're landing on that one runway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And you can say, well, I'm sincere, but to be sincerely wrong is to still be wrong. If you take poison thinking it's medicine, you are going to die. If you write checks and you don't have any money in your account, it will not go well for you, even though you think you're in good shape. As the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. As the truth, Jesus is the reality of all God's promises. As the life, Jesus joins his divine life to ours. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus Christ, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Casting Crowns has something to say about this. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, and it was up to me to make a name the world 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Accept no substitutes. Amen. <laughs> 